Hey guys, I don't know about you, but I can't stop shaking. You know why? Why? Because I'm restless. <laughs> but actually, that's kind of right, right what our topic is today for Restless. Thank you. You've joined uh, Diane and Paul and my really bad jokes. And uh, Paul I, is, I, I laughed internally. Paul is so bored with my jokes that he picked up a book and started reading Oscar Wilde in the midst of this yeah. episode. <laughs> that's not true. That's actually true. He just picked up a random uh, Oscar Wilde book sitting on the table. The importance of being earnest, which I've never read. But uh, today's topic is about the interplay between having a healthy mind, body, and soul, because we are not just spiritual beings. We're not just angels, right? We've got bodies, we've got minds, and in order to be truly happy, truly fulfilled, we have to have all three kind of working in tandem. So how do you stay healthy? Like, do you, do you eat healthy? Do you find yourself eating a lot of junk food? Because a lot of young adults do, you know, especially if you're not married, you kind of just come home and microwave a pizza or whatever you, whatever you do. But I would, have, I would picture both of you as very healthy individuals. I try. I had a delicious vegan kale Caesar salad for dinner. Super healthy. Very healthy. Was it delicious? It was very good. We got a new uh, like fast casual place in Stamford, which has a lot of stuff like that, which I'm excited about. It's very expensive, though. Kale gets a bad rap. I think kale's delicious. Yeah, with some dressing on it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not picking up a stock of kale and just gnawing away, but... Yeah, it's still, I have kale salad almost every day. Yeah, it's good. It's I have good. kale smoothies, kale salad. Right down the street from my parish in Monroe, um, or Monroe, I don't know. Keep, everyone keeps <laughs> saying I to pronounce my own town wrong, Monroe. Monroe. Anyway, so right down the street, Monroe. there is a, uh, a farmer's market. Mm. So starting in June, I'll go over there every week and pick up some fresh kale picked by some farmer. and. Oh, that's got to be good. Eat it. It's really good. Yeah, you put it on sal- sandwiches and cook it with pasta and pasta sauce and stuff. Yeah, that makes a difference. I don't know. I I eat very healthy uh, for the most part. I get into some bad habits. Um, you know, like there are certain things that I don't eat just because I feel like I have no self control when it comes to. <laughs> what's What's one of your non self control foods? There are these chocolate almonds from um, uh, Costco. From Costco, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they are really. Those good. are delicious, but I cannot like during Lent. I actually that was one thing that I like. You know, gave up. I'm pretty disciplined otherwise, but I am not disciplined when it comes to those almonds. I mean, <laughs> I think the serving size is like ten or something, and I could eat like thirty. You know, it's just bad. Um, so I try to avoid things where I can't control myself but yeah I I don't know I eat a lot of salads and just healthy you know fruits vegetables yogurt well well, when you have that when you have that experience of overindulging in something you know you shouldn't have how does that impact the rest of you like your mind and your soul I normally feel really annoyed at myself the next day or you know like if I do it at night the next day of like why did I do that you know and then I'm just in a bad mood because you know I don't know sugar kind of it, it does have a bad impact on my body, you know, just in terms of like headaches and and other things. Mm. Oh so, my gosh! Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, um, once you start to cut it out more and you introduce something back in, it's just I don't know. I feel be- miserable about myself, so I try not to do that because when I'm eating healthy and you know, like kind of just sticking to what I need to have fuel and feel good, I um, you know generally feel much better. If I have something at night, I'll like go for a walk at ten thirty at night and go for like mile and a half walk just to, to but I'm, burn it off yeah yeah I even but I, it doesn't really do much but i mean it's probably better than nothing but it's just mental like it's not a punishment i enjoy it sometimes yeah but oh maybe it just helps your digestion if you're yeah that too also yeah. if it's at night it helps you like sleep and stuff if you have sugar at night if you have dessert or something it's sure sure I, I think it's a balance i'm not as disciplined as i used to be i have i i'm rebuilding my discipline right now over the course of several months 
Mm. It's been going okay. But one of my roommates um, has a very strong sweet tooth. And so there's always temptation. So mm. I'll, yeah. So that's been harder. Um, work, I work for a Swiss company. So there's always Swiss chocolate everywhere. Mm. Oh, they they nice. just like send it over. Actually, we just got a box randomly from Switzerland a couple weeks ago. And it was a big box and opened it up. And it was like this disgusting, rotten chocolate that had melted really? and reef like it and they looked at the packing slip and it got stuck in a stu- they sent it from switzerland and it got stuck in customs for two years two, two years? years and this was like sprungly like sprungly is a very very high-end chocolate brand and it was all destroyed oh oh that's disgusting i probably still would have eaten it no you wouldn't have no no no, no. it all <laughs> went in the trash um so that was a shame oh i don't know there's there's times i look at expiration dates and they're kind of more generalities depends depends yeah. on the food it's okay yeah. yeah yeah we this past afternoon i was uh at our, our frisbee game for cardinal kung i'm the frisbee coach which is a lot of fun with along with lauren who's our our co-host and we were both there and uh i had i'd found some some cheese that was like you know like blocks of cheese that you get for like whatever like um cheap like the toothpicks and stuff mm-hmm. fancy you know order of things so there was some that was left over in my parish and it'd been sitting in my freezer for freezer. I'm not really sure how long. You know, so I decided to take it out and it's like, you know, the best place to get rid of it is is in teenagers because they eat anything, right? <laughs> so they started eating and they're like, this tastes a little funky. So I took one. I was like, hmm, that's slimy. Cheese shouldn't be slimy. There's a slime all over it. I was like, I don't know how long that's been in there. <laughs> it's been a very Yeah, that's long bad. Time. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Well, what about you, Father Joseph? Are you a healthy eater? I know you have a sweet tooth. I do have a sweet tooth. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. But I find definitely like sugar crashes are a real thing for me. Absolutely. Like yeah. a couple hours after. That's why I don't, I can't pray like after lunch. I'd fall asleep. You know, so. Kale salads, they don't make you fall asleep. No, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. That's why I actually eat lighter during the day and then heavier at night just because I feel like I need, if I have, you know, like a lot to eat in the middle of the day, then I'm just kind of tired yeah. <laughs> and yeah. not wanting to continue to work. I can't remember exactly what they're called, but there's these places in the world with these crazy high life expectancies. I think they're called blue zones or something like that. Um, and there's several. There's some in Latin America. There's some in Asia. But the one that has the highest number of, uh, was it super centurions? Like people that are in their like 110 plus or something is in Sardinia, Italy. Really? And they eat they eat like the opposite of so the the American diet, which is supposed to be like the pinnacle, is high protein, low fat, low carb. Some something along those lines. High vegetable. They eat the opposite of that. They eat like a high carb, high fat, low protein diet. Yeah, but you know what? It's not refined. It's not refined. They're probably eating bread from wheat that they grew themselves, right? And well, probably not that. Not, but yeah, then, but, then but they're making their own bread. They're, yeah, they're eating you're fresh make, bread. You're making your own, yeah. But they said because it's your body actually your body uses a lot of energy to digest protein, hmm. but not a lot of energy, which makes sense. Like not a lot of energy to carbohydrates. So they eat a lot of, but it's all complex carbs, a lot of beans, oh, sure. a lot of like heavy, like hearty breads, and a lot of olive oil, a lot of olive oil. Well, did you know that our bodies now decompose much slower than they used to, and that's because of all the preservatives in our food. So it gets into our cells, and and now when people are, you know, when people saints are exhumed to see if they're incorrupt or not, you're not sure if there was just too many Twinkies. Uh, you know, wow. Trying, uh-huh. But 
No, but that's true, right? So, so I mean, what we eat does impact not only our bodies, but also our minds and our souls as well. I mean, leaving aside, of course, the question of gluttony, like how does this stuff impact your soul? I mean, you said that you get annoyed at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like uh, I'm a very disciplined person. So it just comes down to like, I didn't need to do that. Like I could have just stopped at 10 almonds. Why did I have to go to 30? And I don't know, maybe it's like my psychology, but um, not that I can't like afford to, you know, have that. It's just an annoyance. And then I find that I take that out on other people, you know, because if you're annoyed at yourself, you're most likely it's going to come out. Mm. Um, I try and try not to, but um, yeah, I just, I feel better when I'm, you know, uh, disciplined about what I'm doing. Do you find that you get like a mental fog? Yeah. Based on what you eat sometimes? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, with the sugar crash, I, I cut out sugar because that's a um, kind of like a, a stressor, you know, in your body. And um, there's other reasons to do it. But, um, you know, like so when I would cut it out and then was introduc- introducing sugars back in, I would get headaches. I would um, I would have those crashes that you're talking about. Um, so I think it's definitely it's definitely real. The effects. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as I'm pretty hearty i would say in terms of what i eat i mean if i have wine i get a little foggy sometimes but um, <laughs> uh, that's a different story that's a different story yeah uh no but uh i don't know i think i'm i'm relatively I, I i don't have very many allergies like i can process most things obviously if you have a lot of sugar you're probably going to crash um but you can counteract that though pretty if you do do a little bit of exercise so your insulin doesn't kick in as much you don't your body doesn't need as much insulin to process it um you can actually avoid that crash hmm. easily, or if you you can like you can. Uh, I had a really I had a friend who was um, like type one diabetic, so he always had to look at like like lengthening sugars. Like how do you what ways can you like lengthen the sugar out so it doesn't digest all at once? So if you if you have something that's like high fat and high sugar, it helps because the fats like stretch out the sugars a bit. Huh. Um, Interesting. It then I mean it's still not it's not healthy, but you might not get a crash. Yeah. Like it's not good to eat cookies like all the time, which have a lot of fat and a lot of sugar. Yeah, exactly. Cookies are bad. Cookies are so bad. <laughs> they're just so unhealthy, but they're so good. They are. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're really good. They're good. But you look at the ingredients. So you look what? at the the macros, and it's like one small cookie is like 175 calories, and it's all fat and sugar. So why did God make? these good things so unhealthy like i mean it seems like it seems like all the stuff you're supposed to eat you kind of have to force yourself to eat sometimes right and the stuff that's good for you or the stuff that's bad for you is so delicious and we crave can I, it can i offer an evolutionary explanation please well it's if you the things that are really tasty are things that your body wants to store and so we're naturally looking like our evolutionaries that we look to store we're looking for high caloric foods that we can then store and so we should we eat more of those like sugar and fat. That's true. That's true. Um, and we've, in America, of course, our, our taste buds are so out of whack that like it used to be that like fruit was this incredible delight because it was so sweet, you know, compared to what you usually ate, which was like, you know, pork fat and whatever, you know, lard. Oh, pork fat is so good. Go on. Yeah, it is. Right. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, you, you never got sweets. It was a very rare treat. Yeah. Right. But now we get it so often that fruit, you're like, eh, whatever, you know, it's not a, not a big deal. You want I mean, something blame. more. You just have to con- you know, continue to ratchet it up. Yeah. Actually, our fruit has gotten way sweeter, too. That's true, Because too. we keep breeding more and more sweeter and sweeter <laughs> fruit varietals uh, over time, which is great. 
I suppose so, but Tasty. but a lot of people have a lot of health issues because of all that. And well, I I don't think fruit is the major culprit. But no, no, of course not. Maybe it doesn't help. But, but I mean, I know I know. Um, I was reading a book about somebody whose parents were, I guess, kind of hippies in the '60s and '70s, and they were all like, "Let's try the latest fad, right?" So so one time they decided for for an entire year we're going to eat nothing but fruit, and they had so many cavities. Oh, well, yeah. So many cavities. Oh, it's also acidic, which breaks down your enamel. Yeah, it's very acidic. More, and, more, and so more finally, after like, after like six months, they were like, yeah, we better switch that up and eat some other stuff. That's kind of the problem with all these diets, you know? Like you focus on, I'm going to eat only fats. I'm going to eat only protein, only meat, only whatever. And I don't know. I've never been sold on that. I just think it's what Paul said earlier, kind of just a balance and self-control. I mean. So would you, would you be able to say that health really is just keeping everything in balance? Yeah. To me, it is, yeah. To go back to your last question, I think that, um, like, I think it's always a healthy mind, healthy soul, healthy body, and they all kind of, they all kind of coexist. Generally, if you're, if you're not always, but if your soul is very healthy, you're probably a relatively healthy person. And you might struggle with certain things, which might mean you're overweight or you have other health issues, which is, you know, kind of normal. But generally, you'd probably be a relatively healthy person if well, your mind, body, and soul are kind of somewhat in sync yes but then you look at the example of the saints you know and how, how the saints had a lot of suffering physical suffering while they were being sanctified being purified right so so i think yeah I'm not, I'm not, i don't think you can link no the two physical, i think there's a difference physical. between physical issues that are i don't want to say in your control but more in your control and then illnesses and things like that yeah which aren't necessarily in your control but so let me ask you a challenging question then so a lot of the saints did things that were physically un physically unhealthy right you know saint francis at the end of his life he said he apologized to his body for treating it the way he did mm. like for example there was a one year that for lent he ate nothing literally nothing for mm. 40 days except for, i think half a loaf of bread or something like that I don't know if that's actually possible. It could be a little bit hagiographical. Uh, I think know. David Blaine did it. I forget oh, how many him. days he did. Wow. But he got buried underground in a coffin with water and oxygen for like many days. I hope Terrible he offered that off to the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was very bad. His kidneys are wrecked because of it. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah you're not supposed to do that. That's, but, you know, but a lot of the saints did do, you know, penances yeah. that were really extreme and stayed up all night and, you know, didn't sleep and didn't eat healthy. So, is it okay in our spiritual life to focus so much on the soul that we neglect the body? Yes. I mean, I think you have to be careful. I, I Before I would undertake an extreme penance like that, I mean, I think everyone should talk to his or her spiritual director, you know, because I know that, for example, in St. Faustina's diary, um, you know, her spiritual director essentially was, uh, she was... Uh, she was taking on all of these extra penances and mortifications um, that were extreme. And he said he was kind of just like, no, you, I do not do that. Mm. Um, and I don't know. A lot of the things, sometimes people get caught up in wanting to do like extreme things for the Lord, which comes from a place of love. And, and it, you know, I think that's a good desire. But a lot of times... I think it's the penances and the mortifications that God chooses for us, you know, like that mm. come in our daily lives 
Those are less are, fun. Yeah, but but the people, you yeah. know, it's almost like people want to choose and it's it's this grasping, right? Like we all want to control what we're doing for the Lord, but we have to a lot of times the penances and mortifications that he give us gives us just comes through our day-to-day interactions and, you know, the things that happen to us that we don't choose and our interactions with other people. So it's like, you know, I don't think that you have to like search far and wide and do these extreme things. Um, that's not to say that you don't fast at all because there's the other side of the spectrum where, you know, people are, I think, you know, a little indulgent, a very indulgent, I would say. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to say don't do anything, but you know, like, I think we do have a responsibility to take care of our bodies and, um, I don't know. That's May may I be so bold as to suggest that maybe if people don't truly have faith in God's mercy— then they may take on an extreme, maybe unnecessary penance. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, yes, I agree. On the flip side, I think the people that don't take on penances don't believe that deeply in Christ, or or don't. I, like I said, un, un, like not eating for for Lent. That's extreme. Is, is is like God doesn't ask us to do things that are like detrimental to our bodies. Really. Kind of, because the lives of the saints. There's, seems, again, there's a difference. Otherwise, you know, there's a difference between there's a difference between like martyr. When you think about there's a difference between being a martyr or suffering an illness or some other adversity versus choosing like on a fully voluntary basis to do something that would be unhealthy. Yeah, right. Like we don't like if you're if you're a, a pregnant mother or or nursing or something you're not asked your your degree of fasting should be less yes because it would be bad for you and bad for the child potentially Mm -hmm. right so we don't like god's not going to ask that mother to do something that's unhealthy for her and her child in that particular moment like it's unreasonable it doesn't make any sense yeah and i think you have to like examine your mindset right because if you're doing things of like oh i need to do this extreme penance because i need to like Paul said, kind of just earn God's love. Like this will earn me more of God's love. I mean, that's a false premise to begin with. Um, and I think some people think that, oh, it, I mean, the same thing happens in the spiritual life in terms of all the um, kind of devotions that you take on. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to do a rosary, chaplet, daily mass, and then, um, you know, an, a holy hour and all that stuff. But like we really have to be attentive to our states in life. And Right. What's your vocation? Yeah. What is what your vocation? What are your responsibilities to your family, to your employees like is this affecting because if you're not eating for 40 days um i can imagine just you know you're probably not being like terribly productive at work or (laughs) you know um life in general yeah yeah, exactly so again i think it just comes down to like what is god asking and not to get into the that mentality of measuring everything um but again not to water down the fact that you know a lot of people are very indulgent and we could use a little bit more penance and (laughs) fasting and mortification yeah yeah there's a difference i mean there's a difference between not eating chocolate for lent and not eating for lent yeah there's a clear there's a difference between that there's a a difference difference, there's a difference be saying i'm going to eat two snacks and a meal every day during lent not just on ash wednesday and good friday versus not eating yeah there's like there's 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 a difference and i think you know yeah you can there's I think that's where we'd probably, if you're listening, just if you have a spiritual director, like work through that with your spiritual director on what would be a proper mortification, which we should do. We should have mortification because that's what Christ went through. And so we should share in that and we should choose, like willingly choose that 
and then also, I mean, unfortunately, accept those that come to us involuntarily. Yeah. 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 You know, I guess I just struggle personally because pretty much all the saints that we hold up in the church, I can't think of a saint who you'd say that that saint lived a pretty balanced life. Maybe a few, maybe like, you know, Lewis and Zeely Martin, you know, who are the parents of St. Therese of the Sioux, who were married and, you know, lived a pretty, nothing too extreme in their life. But a lot of the other saints that we hold up as, as examples, St. Francis, you know, just, you know, Padre Pio, you know, these great saints, they, they, were, they lived so extreme. Now, did they become saints because they were extreme in their penances, because they, they kind of disregarded their physical health and, and it was like Christ alone, no matter what? Um, I don't know. I just I I would love to see there be a saint who is like, yeah, that guy did absolutely nothing remarkable. <laughs> I mean, I guess the very nature of a saint is that they have heroic virtue, and her- heroism is not just ordinary virtue; it's something above and beyond. But, but you know, there's not too many saints that take vacations, right? I don't know any saint that you know, like, I mean, some saints have recreation. I guess you know, John Paul II would go kayaking and things, skiing, skiing, you know. So I mean, I guess we kind of take solace in that. Um, but he also he lived a pretty hardcore life otherwise, mm. you know, very penitential in many yeah. respects. And yeah. I mean, I guess it, it depends on what aspect of your life you're talking about, because we've been talking a lot about food. And I just feel like if you're if you're not eating for 40 days, you're probably, again, like, ha- how well are you fulfilling your vocation and sort of what God is calling you to do? Whereas like taking a vacation is like slightly different in my in my opinion of. You well, know, that like, brings us to another part of health, which is mental health. You know, how do you personally keep your mind healthy? You know, for example, we, right before we started recording, uh, we talked about how much all of us hate reading Shakespeare. I, I didn't say I hate it. I, I, I didn't mind. I said Shakespeare. I hate it reading I said Richard III, which is sitting here on, which is this, these students where we're recording have to read Richard III. This is like a miserable Shakespeare book. <laughs> I've never read so it. So all of them who are listening to this are going to be like, oh, well, Paul said it was miserable. Yeah, this would be taking on no, a they'll like it. They'll, they'll, <laughs> like, Richard they'll, III. they'll like it, though. I mean, they'll like, they're smarter than me. So Yes, that's true. By a lot. Yeah, they are. So boring. But, okay, so so that's so obviously you don't read Shakespeare for your mental health, you know. But <laughs> but do you read read regularly? Do you take vacation? Do you take enough rest? Do you, you know? Yeah, I read regularly. I mean, that's definitely a way that I kind of relax. I do read a lot of spiritual things just because I don't have a lot of time. And to me, reading spiritual things is um, fun. Uh, I also run you know, pretty much every day. So again, I mean, it's a form of exercise exertion, but it's relaxing to me. Mm. Um, I bake, I do some photography on the do side. Do you bake? I do. I don't yes. think I knew that. Yeah. I bake a lot of stuff. I don't think I've ever tasted any of your wares. Yes. Yeah. I, I like to try new recipes and, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it really depends on your state in life, but I mean, I'm single, so I hang out with my friends a lot and we try a lot of different things. Um, mm. You know, last weekend we went swing dancing in New York City. and Oh, that's fun. Yes, very fun. So, I don't know. It's it kind of, I, I guess I'm more spontaneous in terms of what I like to do to relax. But I don't take too many vacations just because of work and stuff. Um, but mm, How much vacation time do you get? Technically four weeks. But you don't take it all? No. Really? No. It's hard to take four weeks. <laughs> yeah. But I take what I can. I'm get, I'll get pretty close this year. I think what? I'll have 18, 18 days, okay, which is just yeah. about four weeks. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm going on the pilgrimage to um, for World Youth Day to Fatima. Are you really Fatima and Lisbon? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so that'll, that's like many days. So, so when you come back, we're recording an episode. You're going to tell us all about it. Oh, great! <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of all the seminarians are going, so including our one of our 
co-host here, so that'll yes, be fun. Your co-host Joe. So yeah. We'll take our intentions to these holy places. That's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So I suffer from I'm I, I suffer from a higher degree of neurosis than probably a lot of people. Neurosis is the degree of negative emotion. Um, I think it's just in my family to some extent. It's my nature. I, it's something I can't really control. So I think one thing that I've learned to control that a bit um, without needing like extensive therapy is I try to I try to turn that negative emotion into something productive at least, maybe in and more self giving, and so that really helps because mm. then you're not focused. Because negative emotion, you end up being very self reflective. You really end up thinking about yourself a lot and being too much and i can imagine um, that impacts your spiritual life very much oh very much you know, so you, you feel yeah. maybe abandoned by god or he's distant or yeah i don't get that actually as much that's good but i try to like i'll try to go to adoration more or i'll try to do things for other people or like i'll host if i'm feeling that way I'll like host people for dinner spontaneously to kind just, of get out of your head yeah just do something outside of me for somebody else and it's really helpful so yeah i've had i've, I've gone through i don't think like Thank God I don't have chronic depression, but I have gone through bouts. I have heard that some psychologists say, like, if the you know the best way to cure depression is to go and talk to someone else. Yeah, just, for sure. Just, just have human interaction, which is funny because that's when you have depression, that's the one thing you don't want. Yeah, you got to get out. Yeah, be by yourself. But yeah, I mean, mental health is a massive issue in this country. I mean, I've shared before, but my brother dealt with um, like bipolar and chronic depression almost you know, it was kind of puberty onward and ended up committing suicide um, at the end of his life. And so we were very, in my family, we've been very touched by that from, mm. by that o- over time. And you just see the crisis in people. I mean, a lot of people, it's because they don't have God in their life. They don't have hope. Right. So you do And not having hope is a big, is a, is a sin. It's a theological virtue, right? So, um, well, that's the thing, you know, I mean, some, some depression is certainly biochemical. Oh, for in fact, sure. In fact, maybe most. Yeah, my brother is, but, needed to be on medicine. But there's also, I think, in, in our culture, I think there's a large amount of depression that's not biochemical, but more existential. For sure. Like the fact that you don't have hope, you don't see or any meaning and purpose in your Nihilism. life. You don't know that you're loved. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to lead to depression. Yep. It is. And I'm, I mean, I remember particularly, um, I've done I've done the few funerals of suicides. And of course, you never know. Uh, where their you know their spiritual state is, but I remember one very distinctly um, because I went over the house as soon as they found out that he had died, and so that you know, after right after the body had left, I came to go and pray with to, to sit with the family, and I I sat with the parents and I said, "Do you want to pray together?" And they said, "No, we don't believe in that." And the son didn't believe in it either. I was coming on behest of the grandparents, who were very much men and women of faith, and uh, and I just remember thinking like, "Well, you you don't believe that God's a part of your life." I wonder if that had anything to do because everything they kept saying was like we had saw no signs of depression. This young man had a great girlfriend, a great job. He was in a band. He was just living the the dream, really. Mm. And he went home one night, put a note on his door, and said, "Call the police. Don't come in." And and killed himself. I think in large large part because he just simply took his nihilism and his his atheism to its logical conclusion, which is this life is meaningless. Right. You know. But of course, that's something you have to discern with a therapist as to whether or not uh, it's biochemical or whether it is something yeah. you're thinking, really. Yeah, I mean, especially with people that have to go on SSRIs or SNRIs, kind of the prototypical depression. Prozac, medicine. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that would Prozac kind of, is a lot of those. Um, th- those. Those drugs can be miracles, but they also can mask things that are deeper. Yes. And they don't actually resolve it. So. So there's two sides, and it could be both. So you could need to work on things that are deeper, and also have 
chemical imbalances. Absolutely. And absolutely, that's a tough pill to swallow. No pun intended. They're small pills, so <laughs> rejected. Um, but yeah. So I think you, you you'll have to work on both. But yeah. So well, healthy healthy mind, body, and soul. It's, it's tough. Well, I don't know if you ever have ever read any Viktor Frankl. No. I was a big fan of his in college. Uh, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and he was mm. actually in Auschwitz. Uh, he was Jewish, Jewish yeah, yeah. German psychologist. And in Auschwitz, he got through it because he kept thinking about his wife, and he wanted to see his wife again. He said, And he said, people can endure anything as long as they have a meaning and a purpose behind it. And so he came up with a, a type of psychotherapy called logotherapy, which is like and logos being the Greek word for word. It's kind of like if you find a meaning behind your suffering— you can endure a whole lot. You can get through a whole lot. And and I think that's one thing element that faith has often given me uh, in my own life is, you know, okay, so maybe I'm suffering from mental illness. Maybe I'm struggling physically, but I've, but I've got Christ. I've got to, I realize that it's not worthless. I can mm-hmm. offer this up and unite it to Christ's cross. Yeah, trusting in divine providence, you know? Yeah, yeah. You see yourself as part of a much bigger story than just your life. Yeah, it yeah. makes all the difference, that trust and abandonment and surrender, you know, to whether it's his actual or permissive will. Yeah. Um, I had a—I mean, it wasn't major, so I'm not trying to compare it to somebody's real suffering, but it was meaningful at the moment. I had a terrible bout with pneumonia during COVID, mm. and it was really bad. And I did not have COVID. I got four PCR tests in the course of, like, a week, and all of them came back negative— you were sick for a long time. I and I was remember, sick for yeah. a while, yeah. And I had 103 fever. And my body temperature is usually about 96, 97. And I had 103 fever for 10 days. It was terrible. And no one would, no doctor would see me because of COVID. Because right? of COVID. So it's like you get sick, you go to the doctor. Not anymore. You get sick, you can't go to the doctor. Um, only healthy people can go to the doctor. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so I ended up at the hospital and needing like massive amount of fluids and stuff um, and just a lot of just not doing anything but i had just read a story of a soul Mm. um and i remember just when i would be really down and out and kind of just in my bed with like terrible chills and unpleasant i remember just thinking about when saint therese was sick and like her kind of stream of conscience that she writes in that book about what she would pray and what she would ask for and how she would be so self-giving when she couldn't even move yeah at the end of her life and it was like wow so that really helped me, actually. Good. So I'm like, I'm so glad I read that book right before, <laughs> right before I got sick. God put that in your life. Yeah, it was really important. I, and I was okay. Like I didn't, I didn't get super depressed. The hardest thing about that is I completely lost my appetite. Like nothing tasted good to me. Mm. I lost so I, wa- I probably lost ten pounds. Wow. I just stopped eating. It was terrible. That, that was so terrible. <laughs> and like no one could see me either. Like it was all. I remember my parents came down and literally left me soup and then left. Oh, no. <laughs> and again, that's, that goes to back to the point that like we would rather have physical you know, contact with other humans than yeah. physical health sometimes. Yeah. I think that was harder on my mom, to be honest, than me. Mm. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure watching her beloved son suffer. But I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up being okay. But Well, there's so much more I want to talk about, but we've run, out of, we've run out of time. Yeah. So fast. Uh, so fast. I know, right? So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. My challenge for you is to go and live a healthy life. You know, Do what you need to take care of your body, your soul, and your mind because all three are interrelated and we're only going to be deeply fulfilled and happy when all three are alive and well. In fact, St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully alive. So you can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.